0: Welcome to The Reforming Lounge, a podcast on spiritual formation for the wandering heart. Every Wednesday, we gather to discuss questions centered around mental health and discipleship in the context of the local church. Well, good morning, guys. Welcome to The Reforming Lounge. We hope that you guys are doing well. My name is Marco, and I'm joined here by my friend and co-host, Mike Fowler. What's up? What's going on? What's up, man? (laughs) <laughs> not much dude how are you feeling
1: <laughs> i'm uh, <laughs> such a jerk i'm feeling fantastic thank you for asking how are you feeling sir
0: i'm feeling great i don't have any allergies that are affecting me me
1: neither I mean, you sound pretty stuffy you sound stuffy nope <sighs> yeah. yeah allergies are not good i am <laughs> it is true i am getting hit pretty pretty intensely by allergies yeah but other than that i'm fantastic hey that's good um, i'm glad Life glad is glad you're good. doing well. Got my coffee, you know. Yeah. How's
0: um Fowler family therapy? Boom. I said it right. Look at
1: you. You did. You remembered the you know, sequential order of three words. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> great job.
0: I don't remember all of the things.
1: Well, that's evident. It's going good though. We are, yeah. What are we doing new? So we recently started doing EMDR intensives. And so EMDR can be really helpful for trauma. And uh, it's, you can do it in like chunks of time. So rather than just doing like, you know, one session at a time at like 50 minutes, I'll do like a four hour block with somebody. And it's like, you're knocking out like a month's worth of therapy in like, you know, part of a day. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, hence the name intensive.
0: Is that, is something like that too intense? Like how much information and process can a person actually, comprehend and and absorb in four hours especially if there's you know trauma in their in their in their past
1: I mean they're processing through things so yeah they're not taking in information during that time uh, they're just processing through the memories and before we do that there's a whole like treatment planning session that we do before to make sure that we're structuring things in a really helpful way um, and so, yeah, as long as you do that and set it up right, you know, you don't want to jump into it just like randomly without oh, okay. really having that full context. Sense. Yeah, but if you if you plan it out right and structure it right, and, you know, put together what memories you're going to do and what order, um, they can be really effective for people. It's pretty good. Yeah.
0: Cool. That's awesome. How's it that?
1: How's life in the DFW? Any more oh, tornadoes? Geez. No. No, I don't think so. I mean, that's good. We, we did kind of have a streak, though, where it was, like, yeah. really questionable weather. I know, yeah. uh, uh, what was it, Jacksboro High School, I think, got, like, totally destroyed.
0: Like the roof got know. ripped off or something like that?
1: Yeah, dude. Yeah. So, that was a pretty wild night. I was doing sessions here. And, I mean, we had the tornado sirens going off. And, I mean, we, we didn't see anything. I think the winds just got really intense. Yeah. Uh, but our area, specifically, we were, you know, okay. Yeah. I mean, well, when I was
0: up there a couple of weeks ago, I was up there last week, um, a couple of weeks ago. Anyway, um, well, when this releases, it will have been a couple of weeks. Anyway, uh, when I was up there, you and Shelby were just getting back from California. Right. And yeah. And so we got up there and I think like four hours after we arrived on Monday is when there was like a tornado warning and everything was happening again. Man, it just felt like a warm welcome that's what it felt like for me.
1: Yeah. Classic (laughs) North Texas, classic North Texas. Yeah. I forgot you had texted me and you were asking something about the tornadoes. And I was like, Oh, I just got back from the store. I didn't even know there was tornado warning. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was pretty crazy when I went out, but yeah, dude, I mean, we got back
0: the, the, the weather had said it was supposed to start like raining at the time that you know we were up there for for the whole x29 assessment stuff and so mm-hmm. uh the assessors and some of the other 829 staff we went and grabbed dinner at i forgot what a restaurant um that's walking distance from the hotel mm. and so one of the guys not had babes. said what was that not babes not that was no i mean we eventually went to babes
1: and do he looks so sad, bro. Jeez. Because it's okay. the games, go man. On. Come on. Yeah. Go anyway, go um,
0: on. And so we went to, I forgot where, anyway. And one of the guys said, hey, if you want to, if you, if you're a gambling man, just know there might be rain on our way back. And so we went, we had dinner, we sat outside, we walked back to the hotel, no rain. And I was like, oh, I don't think the storm is, I don't think the storm is really going to happen. And then it just gets darker and darker. And that's when the tornado warning like kind of drops and uh, people were concerned in the hotel. And that's when I. That's when I just kept thinking like, this is such a warm hug from an old friend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like I knew Rebecca was a little nervous. I was like, oh, oh it's okay. Yeah. We just sit in the tub.
1: Yeah, that's uh, fine. <laughs> Stand outside, just watch the clouds, <laughs> see it coming in. Well, so what's, what's
0: crazy is the next morning. I don't know if you checked the the the, the news or anything like that. Like the next morning. Like a tornado did hit and it wasn't even too far from the area that we were in, which is the same area that you live in. Like it wasn't even too far. It was, it was just a couple of miles Northwest of us. Mm. Um, I, some mill caught on fire, uh, cars on the freeway were flipped. Oh, snap. Um, so it was, it was, um, yeah, by God's grace, our area was fine, but it yeah. was, it was maybe four or five miles away from us.
1: Jeez. I did not even know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And it's well, the other thing is like you couldn't have even tell, right? Because the next morning it was bright sunshine, wonderful weather. Yeah. And like you wouldn't have guessed there was a tornado the night before. I was really nervous because I was I just thought, man, my truck's gonna get all that hail. Mm. And nope, no hail. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah, man. So that's good. <laughs> um, well, before we can keep going with all this, it's not even banter, just catching up. Anyway, but we can keep sure. going. Uh so this morning, for you listeners, we got something really cool. Uh, at least we think it's really cool. I should say it's cool for us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we're going to be starting a new series. In season one, I think we did one or two series, and they actually had some pretty good uh, responses. And so we think that y'all enjoy these series. And um, um, and so today is week one of what we're calling a series on culture wars. And this is actually an idea that came from 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 Fowler. And so. Um,
1: sounds so surprised bro no it's a great
0: man i i love it when you think and
1: uh, (laughs) i'm quite the imbecile so for me to have a good idea is this needs to be recorded this was my idea
0: (laughs) this is your idea and so uh so yeah so this is week one of our new series um titled Culture Wars. And this morning, and we'll talk a little bit more about this in a minute, but this morning, we're going to begin our time by addressing self-love. Now, before we get to that, could you explain uh, to our listeners? So you said the reason you wanted to tackle a series like this is because these are topics that Christians, you're seeing, you're watching Christians tear each other apart on these topics.
1: Right, right. Um, On Twitter specifically, which is a dumpster fire. So it makes sense. And I just got but, back on the Twitter sphere. It's uh, dude hilarious. Yeah, Twitter is wild. But uh <laughs> um, but yeah, it's and I, I think it's it's something that is consistently like there's theological basis for some of it, but most people aren't coming from that standpoint. Um, you know, they're just being influenced by kind of where they live, kind of the groups that they're connected to. Um and those types of things. Uh, so it really is sort of kind of a, a series that's like right at the middle of where theology and psychology can conflict. And um, those are things that we need to be considering. Yeah,
0: I think that's good. You, you know, it's interesting that you said that I was listening to a podcast not too long ago, and it was on Twitter, like the podcast was on social media, and they just began talking about Twitter and how Twitter is really this atmosphere where you, you can't dialogue anymore. Like, it used to be fun, and it used to be engaging, and Twitter, like you said, Twitter really is this dumpster fire. Yeah. I haven't been on, like I, like I said recently, I, I just got back on Twitter. I haven't been on as too long, and within the last couple of weeks, like, one of the big debates right now within, like, um, reform nerds, for lack of a better way of saying it, is um is on the necessity to um, accept, read, embrace uh, the teachings of Thomas Aquinas, um, Uh, just one of the early church fathers. And man, people are going nuts on that, defending him or pushing back on Protestants that do embrace some of his teachings and some of his wacky theology. Um, Yeah. So uh, all that to say, it's only been a couple of weeks and it did not take long for me to just, see all of these threads of, of people going at it and and some people being unkind and sarcastic and others trying to be i don't know not just controversial but
1: trying to create conflict yeah well we could probably do a whole series of self on twitter and Christians. yeah I'd <laughs> love to. let's do it um
0: all right. Well, so let's dive into our time. And so as as we talked about, this is week one of our series on culture wars, and we're going to be diving into the topic of, of self-love. Um, and so part of the feedback that we address in our catching up slash mailbag episode was, we have a lot of listeners that that want to hear a little bit more from the, the psychology side of this. And so, man, why don't you open this up and explain why does the topic of self-love matter? And in light of the series that we're doing, a lot of these topics you mentioned are topics um, that you're seeing Christians kind of rip each other apart on. Um, beginning with self-love, what is it about this topic that that matters. Why
1: do we need to address it? A lot of times it seems, well, not not everybody, but a, a common thing that um, can happen is people describe God as love almost exclusively, and that brings ideas that we should just accept ourselves, sin and all, and have no concerns about changing any of it, and obviously that's really dangerous theologically. and doesn't line up with scripture. Um, that's also damaging for our mental health to mm. just try to assume that exactly the way that we are is exactly the way that we should be. which mm. is what sort of this, the false view of self-love results in. Right. So that's one of the things we'll talk more in depth about, but that's kind of to be brief. Yeah, that's good. So,
0: man, I think in a, in a nutshell, it's, it's um, you see this both from, from Christians and even those who, who, who are not
1: <clears throat>
0: almost embrace this lie that, just because the way things are doesn't mean that's the way they're supposed to be. Right. And, uh, and, and it really takes things, especially for Christians. I think it, it, it takes the, the nature and consequences of the fall um, out and just kind of um, embrace like what you were saying, like just embraces themselves as they are. This is how God made me. And it's like, actually, no, there, there's an underlying issue as a result of our nature that we're not, we're not addressing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, that's good. And so, Matt, how would you, I know we're going to talk about two different ones, but how would you define um, self-love and, and are there, are there distinctions?
1: I stole this definition. This is not me. This is uh rabbi Alan Lurie. I think is his name. Sure. sure. We uh, can include the link in the show the notes, show notes. Uh, but he wrote an article that called what does the Bible tell us about self-love I thought he had a pretty good definition so um this is just straight from him says false self-love is the desperate need to feel that I am better and therefore more deserving than others so that I will feel special and will not be abandoned true self-love is the commitment to objectively knowing myself as I am to fully experience life as it comes to me and to honor my potential by continually seeking ways to grow
0: nice Thanks, Rabbi. So if I were to simplify that, would it be fair to say that false self-love, as he describes it, right, is this, I mean, the point of this is to be simple, right? Like false sure. self-love is selfishness I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, that's yeah. the desperate need to feel that I'm better and therefore more deserving. That's called selfishness, pride,
1: self-centeredness. Yeah. Right. And then culturally, those are very triggering ways to describe it. But yes, really accurate. Oh, yeah, dude.
0: Oh, man. Then let me then let me uh, stoke that fire even more. You're selfish and (laughs) 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 self-centered. And it's all about you. And that's the problem. Um, And so so there's that. So there's selfishness. There's 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 pride and arrogance. There is um, self-centeredness and then true self-love if we were to simplify his definition could we say that true self-love is honest vulnerability right so one of the things he writes is the commitment to objectively know myself as as I am particularly for the for the christian the the, the word of god reveals who we really are mm-hmm. right that we are um sinners by nature and choice we have rebelled against a holy God and in his love sent his son to die for sinners so that we might be reconciled and, and redeemed. But in order for that to take place, like the Bible, the word of God reveals our true self to us. Right. right. So there, in other words, so there needs to be this, uh, what accompanies that is, is some sort of vulnerability in order to receive that in order for that to actually take uh, root in our, in our hearts. So anyway, all that to say, false self love at the root of it is is really selfishness and the root of true self love is is just this honest vulnerability would that be fair
1: yeah i think that's a great simple way to put it so and we'll we'll talk more about it as we go on but that does seem to be the result of the false self love is that it's like this is and uh, this is kind of gets into some of the other things that we'll talk about, but it's like, this is what's true for me. This is what's important for me. And I'm just being honest with myself. If I, you know, accept my desires or Mm -hmm. or those types of things, Mm -hmm. but that just flies in the face of, you know, other people's experience uh, sort of recklessly. Whereas if we're looking at it in an accurate way, we're going to constantly be confronted by scripture about things that are not right with us and right with our hearts yeah and you know if we're uh, can sit with the tension and the discomfort of knowing that we're broken knowing that there's parts of ourselves that we don't like that we're not proud of that we're afraid other people would reject and not accept um if if we're able to sit with that and live with that then that's how we can really address it but when we take this false view it's like we deny the existence of it, which is sort of delusional if you really look at it. It's like acting as if it just straight up doesn't exist when most likely a lot of people in your life can still see it. Mm-hmm.
0: What does that do for the individual like as, as they grow in that way of thinking and that kind of ideology? How how does that affect in, or how can that affect an individual's emotional health? And how they even respond to to others in their own
1: circles? I think it just keeps them stuck. Mm. Um, they, they, you know, one of the things that I put on here that I think applies to this question exactly is that when we have a proper view of self love, it helps us love other people better. Because when we're aware of our own brokenness, we can respond better to people when they're hurting. Mm. But we can also respond better when other people hurt us. Mm. Because we know that we have these other, you know, we've done our own things where we've um, hurt people or done wrong to people, and we aren't just denying that part or acting yeah. as if that's a good thing. Yeah, you know, which can kind of be the other side that comes out It's like, "Well, it was just being myself," or right, um, any of those kind of defensive. Yeah, they just, oh, man.
0: So, would you say? Like especially in, in the contrast between false self-love and true self-love, like what you were talking about earlier. Um, one of the things that I suppose makes true self-love mm, true is that it stands upon a foundation that is, this is going to sound very Christianese, but it stands upon a foundation that is unshakable, mm-hmm. right? Like if if there is vulnerability, if there is vulnerability and revelation given to me right then the foundation of that truth and what i'm working through and what's being exposed has to be able to stand on what it's revealing to me as opposed to a false self-love which we we had defined as selfishness like i'm the one filtering not just my feelings and emotions but i'm filtering what i think is true and part of the reason there is there are people who get stuck and part of the reason it doesn't work is because the foundation is faulty. Mm -hmm. And the way we know the foundation is faulty is by simply asking the question, well, have you ever been wrong? Mm -hmm. Right. And so if I've been wrong then my foundation is faulty Yeah. as opposed to a foundation based on revelation that has been given or, or revealed to me, those are, those are two different ways of standing on I suppose, truth.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Um, cause I think the, the flip side of it would be that we don't really have, uh, like the, the primary foundation would be just kind of self-protectiveness, um, rather than, you know, an accurate picture of ourselves. Yeah. That we get stuck in self-protectiveness. And so we, it's like, we can't look at ourselves in you know, a true fashion and, right. um, But that's sort of what it comes down to is that it's just like we're too fragile to be able to do that Mm -hmm. for being straight about it. I think that it's like it's it's actually ironically kind of a weakness that's coming out because we're not like stable enough in our foundation to be able to look at ourselves and say, I don't like this part of myself. Right. And rather we go, it's almost like a toxic positivity view of just like, yeah, I'm amazing. I'm perfect. Everything about me is so great. Right. Like, and if these people can't accept it, then they just can't accept me. Hmm. And that's like you can't really accept you. Right. It's <laughs> <Like a> true. <laughs> version of yourself, you know? Yeah. So yeah. How does this
0: boil? Well, maybe this isn't the way to ask, but boiling it down, one of the things that that you had um kind of chopped up a bit in, in our notes offline was um, it's in the context of, of false self-love, but I think it applies to just a, a general question. and And you'd mentioned about having a faulty view of what love actually is. so So whether it's in the context of self-love or whether it's in the context of, of love loving others, how would you define
1: what love is? Ooh, how would I define what love?: Boom is? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> jeez. That feels like a really (laughs) hard question, but I mean, how would you define what love is? Don't, this isn't Jeopardy. You know, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, so when I think about love, I think about in the context of a, of what a loving relationship would look like. Right. And so I think ultimately what that looks like is there's going to be things that um, we do not like about people that we care about Mm -hmm. and things that are really challenging about people that we care about. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you really care about them, you still have to be there for those parts as well. You can't just be like, you know, you're broken or difficult in this area. So I just don't have time for you. Right. Uh, we have to be able to be with that tension, um, even with the parts that are hard about yeah. other people because that's yeah. just the nature of relationships. Yeah. And so yeah, I don't know. Does that answer the Yeah, I, know. I, I feel think, like I think could that's go good. on, but.
0: I think that's good, especially in the context of a relationship. Here's here's what Paul Tripp uh here's how Paul Tripp defines love. Mm. He writes love is willing self-sacrifice for the good of another that does not require reciprocation or that the person being loved is deserving.
1: I mean, I guess that's okay too.
0: Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, you were, man, you were in that, that, that neighborhood. (laughs) I could, I could tell.
1: (laughs) I'm basically Paul
0: Tripp. Yeah. You, I mean, man, you basically just exegeted that. So Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, you're welcome. You should write a commentary on Paul's. Uh, Well, definition of
1: love, I'll hit him up on Twitter. (laughs) But
0: but what's interesting though, is, is without, um, without reading, um, without reading Paul Tripp's definition first, it's interesting that you went to the example of, of a relationship. Mm -hmm. And so I think, and then, and then reading Paul's trip definition, it's also in the context of a relationship. And so I think one of the things that's important to note before we kind of break this down, but I think one of the, the important things to note is, like, I'm, I'm processing this as we're as we're talking about it. It's not like I have it prepared, but um, an important thing to note is how love involves other people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. um, and so how? Do, so again, I'm processing this as we go. So sure. if love involves other people. Uh, where does this concept of self-love come from? Because if we need Hmm. to first have an understanding of what love is, and if we look at it from a biblical perspective, right? First John says that um, we love God because God loved us first. And then in first John four, he expands upon what God did in order for us to know that we are loved in sending his son to die on the cross for sinners, reconciling them and redeeming them. To himself, and so, can self-love genuinely be obtained apart from a relationship? Now, that doesn't mean I'm in a in relationship as far as marriage. That might just mean, man, what my understanding of what God has revealed to me through His Word and in His Son, and that's a relationship in and of itself. So, a vertical relationship. So, yeah, can would does self-love exist apart from a relationship?
1: Well, I mean, I think so. Okay. Um, I I don't know. I was just asking. I'm just processing, man. Right, right. And so what comes to mind as you're saying that is in Matthew, when he said, I mean, he says to love our neighbor as Mm -hmm. we love ourselves." Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so I think it's it's still there. It's like, we can think of it. I think I naturally think of it in a relational context, Mm -hmm. Um, but how we treat other people, we should treat ourselves in a similar fashion. Sure. And so there's parts of ourselves that we don't like, that we have to tolerate, that we have to sit with. There's parts of ourselves that we have to, you know, I mean, be um, just aware of the brokenness and be able to sit with it. And I think from a Christian standpoint, that would ultimately bring us back to God's grace. Mm That's the point. Isn't
0: that relational though? So, so when he tells the disciples, Hey, here's the greatest command, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. That's the first command. Right. right? And he says, the second one is just as great, right? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That is coming as a result of the relationship with God.
1: Sure. Yeah. Oh, I'm just, I'm just saying, I don't know anything. (laughs) No. Yeah. I mean,
0: (laughs) no, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
1: No, I have a good point, but I mean, I think that's where we could go. Like, uh, what does exist outside of God, anyway? So, right. yeah. the the concept of self love <laughs> would obviously still be connected to right God, and right, right, our relationship with Him, right. So, yeah, you know. because, like, for instance, um like because you
0: even you even write about you know. When we have a better understanding of who we are, we are better able to serve others when they're hurting and we're able to better respond when people hurt us or when people sin against us. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so like, I again, I'm just processing this out loud. It just, it doesn't sound like there is much to love apart from community, people, relationships, that kind of thing. Even in the context of if if even in the context of, of me, you know, quoting from from, from the gospels about I man, love yourself, uh, love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? Like that's still a relational command. And when you consider Tripp's definition, which is not the be-all, but it's a good definition, right? He says, love is willing self-sacrifice. So, yes, there is self-sacrifice from me to someone else, for instance, to me to my wife. But in addition to that, in my daily walk when i'm when i'm by myself as an example um there is a dying to myself right dying to the selfishness dying to my sin right that's a that's romans 8 that's um uh, ephesians 6 right that is that is me dying to myself and my and my desires so that my eyes would continually be fixed on on the lord jesus now that doesn't mean that well actually i'll ask that question in a bit but I, I don't know. I'm having a hard time n- like really wrapping self-love. I get the concept. I'm just not seeing it apart from a relationship unless I'm just being very, very selfish. Well, I think even probably with, this is
1: wrong. I'm done where I think you were going right there, though. It takes me to. So we're we're dying to ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's parts of like desires that we have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and things like that that we know are not good that yeah. we have to turn away from. I'm viewing that as loving ourselves rightly. Right. Because there's things that we want that we know we shouldn't want. Yeah. And so we're turning away from it. And so w- when we're turning our eyes to Jesus, that's like the most loving thing that we can do for ourselves. Because right. we're turning away from in some context, like things that we're desiring that we shouldn't mm-hmm. be desiring right for the ultimate good. Yeah.
0: So then unloving. how do you how do you reconcile for instance man the reason I'm turning from them is yes I don't like this about myself I need to put this to death and this is a way in which I'm loving myself. How do you also reconcile that the reason that I'm able to turn away from the power of sin is because the holy spirit dwells in
1: me. <laughs> oh man. Um <laughs>
0: Dude, I don't even know how to answer that. So here's what I agree. I think I no, no, I I don't think I agree with everything that you're saying. Right. And from a biblical perspective or from from a Christian standpoint, right? Like the reason I'm able to put my to die to myself daily, the reason I'm able to turn away from from sin and temptation to not indulge in what Paul and John called the flesh, right? These, these desires that I still have, uh, in me, uh, to, to want to rebel against God, these internal desires that I have, the reason I'm, I'm able to turn away from that is because the Holy spirit dwells in the believer, not simply because, um, you know, I, I have, um, what is it like really good willpower? It Mm -hmm. it is because my motivation and my heart is being driven guided by and convicted by the Holy spirit who, who dwells in me. So yeah, in a way, yeah, I'm loving myself as I, as I am being, I'm loving myself as I'm being sanctified by the Holy spirit. And so there's like, so there's that relational piece. And so, I don't know, again, I'm just processing it. Hey man, I could be totally wrong. you, it looks like I stumped you a little bit. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs>
1: that's okay. I I guess where where I'm feeling stuck is like, that's where we could take anything back to like, um, you know, the sovereignty and providence of God ultimately, mm-hmm. right? Is that all of the good that comes out of us is from God. Right. But then there still is our sinful nature that we are right conflicting with. Right. And so I, I guess where I'm feeling stuck is like, we're, we're sort of talking more in the vein of, I think originally of <laughs> <laughs> like how people view this on a, on a regular, like day-to-day basis. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and like theologically, I don't disagree with you at yeah. all. Yeah. I think that you're right, but I think that's, if people were looking at it strictly in those terms, they wouldn't be stuck. Right. Right. But what's coming in against that is kind of going back to this overall idea that God just wants us to be happy. God loves me exactly as I am. And those things are like theologically inaccurate in different ways. Right, right. right? right. It's not that God doesn't want good for us, but sometimes that good comes out of bad things. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes that good comes out of seasons of suffering and growth. Yeah. And That growth doesn't really happen if we're not looking at ourselves accurately. Yeah. So where the false view of self-love comes in is it says, hey, you're good exactly as you are. And if people can't take it, they just don't really care about you. But really, it can be a very loving act from a person in relationship Mm -hmm. to say, hey, this is an area that is continuing to be a problem for you, for your family, for your friends. Mm -hmm. And we're in support of you to get through this barrier yeah. Um, in the same way that we need to be able to do that with ourselves and look at something and say, yeah, this is a, like, this is some brokenness in me that I need to deal with and I need Mm -hmm. to do business with yeah, rather than just acting as if it's okay. Right. Yeah, that's good. What's the motivation of that? And what's the source of that change actually happening? Of course, that's God. Of course, that's the Holy Spirit that's working within us. But I think we can get, I think where people end up getting stuck is not that they hold that view, Mm -hmm. but that they're not holding that view and they're not even acknowledging the power of the Holy Spirit because they're thinking that they're good as they are already. Right. Yeah. 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 That's good. One of the questions I had was,
0: what do you think, and this could be, I I was thinking about this as I was processing with you. And then as you were talking and I could be completely uh, off. What's the difference? A, a simple difference, if there is one, between self-love and self-care.
1: Mm. I mean, the way that people talk about it, um, self-care is probably a bit more active, of like you know doing specific things. Um, and I know when we talked about the self-care stuff, you know, like some of the some of the things that we used as examples were just like practical things, right? Right. right? So self-care being. Um, good nutrition, um, you know, taking time for yourself to recharge in whatever way that looks like, uh, but also not neglecting your responsibilities in the name of it.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: um, I think self-love is a little bit more of an internal thing. Um, but I think they can kind of intertwine in some ways, mm-hmm. you know? So if I'm, if I'm doing my self-care, I know one of the examples that I used was like, um, I kind of being a crap husband in the name of self-care. Cause I'm like, well, you know, it doesn't matter that our daughter's having a tough time. Shelby needs to take care of that because I'm doing self-care today. Right. And so that, I think that comes from the ideology of self-love. Right. Right. Well, I'm taking care of myself going back to the selfishness part. I need to be able to have my appropriate self-care time. So she just needs to figure it out. Gotcha. And so it's, I think, in, in simple terms, self-love would be the ideology that would be feeding, uh, like the behavior of what would be kind of sinful self-care. Yeah. Right on. Would you say
0: that, um, the definition we've been talking about this in a lot of the the definition that you read a while ago by that rabbi, but do you think a a definition for not just, um, what self-love I think I'm rewording it again, but with the definition for what self-love is, we talked about it being like honest vulnerability. Do you think biblically self-love is dying to self, right? In Luke nine, right? Jesus says, "Uh, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? So from a yeah. from a Christian perspective self-love is dying to self and the way that is seen manifested is through honest vulnerability because in honest vulnerability I'm able to receive counsel I'm able to confess my sin because of you know what you said I'm I'm aware of of things that I need to I'm aware of my sin I'm aware of areas that I need to grow in and change in and at the same yeah. time, I need, I need Jesus to be sanctified in these areas uh, among people, so that I can better love them, so that I can so that I can grow closer to the Lord, love people more, and then respond well when people sin against me.
1: Mm-hmm. He, ultimately, yes, but I think we should unpack that a little bit too, right, because that's where I think people can go really extreme and legalist with that right of denying ourselves so that we're loving ourselves well. Right. Right. Because there's also like good, like blessings that are a part of life that are from God that are for believers and non-believers that are fine to enjoy. And so we can take denial to a really extreme point. I think Mm -hmm. um, that would ironically, also conflict with a healthy view of self-love right And so kind of be like the other extreme um if we're just like denying everything out of the name of holiness right um, when when really it's self-righteousness right? yeah and i think
0: that would be that would be something to to definitely um push back on the reason you, the reason I say that is because you, you mention um for instance you know that there are these things in life that God gives for us to enjoy and that's true that's that's rooted in in what Paul tells Timothy uh, in I think it's first Timothy 6 right or where, where he talks about the uncertainties of of, of of riches but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy and so he's talking specifically about just these daily gifts that God gives us to to enjoy. But in addition to that, like when you consider, um, when you consider the book of Ecclesiastes, right? Like he is trying to find meaning, and this is a tangent, so I won't go into this too long. He is trying to find meaning in the beginning of the book. He's trying to find meaning of life and meaning in life apart from God. Yeah, And he's going all of the routes that we would I think want to go ourselves and continually finds himself dissatisfied and on a number of occasions what are called the enjoyment passages are these conclusions that he comes to where he says man i have realized that the thing to best enjoy are these gifts from god to eat drink and enjoy our toil This is a gift from God. So it goes back to these like daily enjoyments, these gifts that God has given us. um, To which, which, yes, I I would agree. Um, And so, in addition to that, like we don't have to necessarily talk about self-love or denying ourselves, um, and and how some individuals can go to the extreme of self-righteousness. Right. Well, look at me. Look at how like that's what the Pharisees did. Mm -hmm, right? Right. That's what the Pharisees were constantly boasting about. You know right. I mean, but then yeah. there's the other side of things where it's like, well, God is love. Yes, he is. And he's also just, and he's also right. truth. And he's also, um, uh, uh, he's a, he's a compassionate God. He's a saving God. He's a gracious God, but he's also a, a, a judge. Mm. Right. So we're not going to idolize this one attribute and neglect the others just so that I would feel good about myself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's super dangerous to mm-hmm. do that. Right. Yeah. It's like you're choosing the parts of God that you prefer. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Which is sort of the ultimate like stance of pride. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Because I, I don't need to worry too much about God's justice. I need mm-hmm. to like, God's just loving. Yeah. That's that's, yeah. that's what matters. Right? Yeah. Like, Instead no, of in the, being in the place where, man, I'm going to, I'm going to
0: deny myself, especially when things are hard, I'm going to deny mm-hmm. myself, but even in a good season, I can still deny myself
1: and enjoy the gifts of God. Yeah. Yeah, man. A hundred percent. And
0: so are there any other things that you want to tackle within self-love? I really appreciated this conversation.
1: It was good. Yeah. I felt stuck for a minute, but then I just threw our notes out the window and I was like, hey, I'm just with you, bro. I'm gonna think about where you're going. So well, I, I've got some questions that I'd written up for you that I, think oh, yeah. I should. Get yeah. Um, so how do you think self-love impacts sanctification? I think that's part of what we were talking about, right?
0: I I mm. think self-love impacts can impact our, our sanctification. If we are trying to live life apart from God, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It drives us away from him. Uh, ironically, it hardens our heart. Um, it makes light of sin, um, and, and the condition of our own hearts. And so I think in the, in the context of, I suppose, false self-love, it, it drives us further from the Lord. And inevitably, we forfeit our sanctification. Um, But in the context of denying ourselves, right, it actually draws us closer to the Lord. It leads us to enjoy the good gifts from God in spite of our circumstances. And it reminds us that, you know, when people say, oh, God loves me just as I am. No, God loved you in spite of who you are through Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that man, that further fuels my desire to grow to Jesus, to fix my eyes on Jesus, to repent of sin and bear fruit as I walk in repentance. That'll preach. So I think, I think one forfeits sanctification, while the right. other um, actually uh, um, helps you strive toward um, your relationship with the Lord. Yeah. Like the other one, like denying yourself does what sanctification is supposed to do. It is uh, mm-hmm. responding uh, to the work of guiding you. So I hope that, I hope that helps. No, it does. It's good.
1: I mean, I think, I think it's good. (laughs) How do you think you see this like on the ground in the church? Yeah, I think,
0: um, you know, honestly, in my context, I don't, I don't hear the phrase self-love a lot. I hear the phrase self-care more,
1: Uh, um,
0: but I can, I can see, for instance, um, I can I can think about individuals in in different occasions where where I see people um, trying really really hard to to love themselves. Like one of the things they'll they'll say it this way is I just need to focus on me and God, and that's not that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. However, the actions that flow from that tend to be pretty isolating and and selfish. Mm-hmm. Um, in other words, I need to get away from community. I need to get away from relationships maybe because I just came out of a bad one or a bad breakup or whatever. And, and man, I just need to focus on, on these areas or this, this one or two area, which is a good, there's a, there's a, there's a sense of awareness there. Yeah. Right. But, um, I've just never seen that go well in ignoring community or people, relationships, family, friends, um, because that's, that's directly tied to the greatest commandment, right? Like love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind and then love your neighbor as yourself. And so those are two commands that are relational. One is right. ho- one is vertical, one is horizontal. And yeah. so when an individual, I think, tries to isolate one, it inevitably affects the other one, ironically driving them further from the Lord.
1: Yeah. That's good. Uh, one of the things that I started wondering about that you you basically answered is like cuz I think at least in Christian culture people that have grown up in the church would probably not talk about self-love explicitly, at least in the church context. And I was like, cause you know, Christians have their own like uh kind of fake holy way of masking things that they're talking yeah, about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was like, what would be like Christian speak for self-love? And I think you nailed it when you said, I'm just going to focus on me and God. Yeah. Which, you know, in some cases could be a good thing. I feel like sometimes right. if people focus on themselves in the context of what does the word mean for how I love other people rather mm-hmm. than how are other people failing to love me.
0: Based yeah. on the standards
1: of the word. Yeah. Um, then that's a good way to focus on you and God. But yeah, yeah you can't just like be like, I'm just going to chill on the second greatest commandment for a little bit and focus on me. And yeah. God. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so prioritize this one. I'll get to this one when yeah. I can. Yeah. 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 So that's good. Well, uh, do, do you see any specific holes um, in our theology that you think can kind of set people up for really falling headfirst into? I need to love myself. Yeah, I mean, i I, th- I think
0: that. about um, I think about the doctrine of of sanctification, right? Because handled poorly, um, you can forfeit your sanctification, and what that can do is it doesn't just lead you astray, but it could also put you in a place where, I mean, you're operating out of selfishness and expecting God to bless that. Mm. Right. Because you're, you're using Christianese, but in addition, in in addition to that, I think um, actually I was going to say something else that I just forgot. I keep forgetting things, but, um, but yeah, so I I think off the top of my head, the first one would be the doctrine of sanctification that actually rather than drawing closer to God and responding to the work of God in us, uh, we actually become hardened toward him because we're operating out of a place of selfishness and then expecting him to respond or to bless that kind of walk or character or behavior. And so, um, and so what you end up getting are kind of like egocentric, shallow Christians um, who honestly grow bitter toward one another because they're thinking you should be loving me or responding to me a certain way. And because you're not doing that, I'm not going to do that for you. And then you get this like bickering, yeah, um, that ends up happening. So I, I had another thing that I can't remember. But at, at the very minimum, I think I, I see the doctrine of, of sanctification for sure. Um, I also see I think, uh, man, this this tension between um, grace and works, self love. It's all about me. Therefore, I need to work on me. And as I work on me, then God will be pleased with me. And then I'm good. And Man, that that is a that's a false way of looking at, at at grace and works. It is that God has already loved you in Jesus, therefore that is why we obey, not the other way around. We don't obey so that God would love us. Yeah. And so
1: yeah, I think I think those two things. Well, I brought up something for me as you were answering the first part on sanctification. Um and like I, I feel like I've noticed that in myself sometimes of mm-hmm. where Selfishness comes up like in my prayer. Mm. And so this is more of a question of like sure. this is this is kind of how I end up going about this in my own walk. Um, and I don't know if this would be helpful or not, but like when people identify that well, I'll just I'll speak from my own perspective. When I notice that in my own heart, where like maybe I'm I'm praying about something and I I see the selfishness there and like I know what I'm asking or I know what my desires are or wrong in the moment, but I don't know what my desires should be. What I end up doing is just kind of confessing my selfishness in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. This is where I'm at right now. This Mm -hmm. is what I think would be best, but I'm pretty sure that's not what would be best. And I just had no idea where I'm supposed to go or what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And so I'm just... Hoping that you'll like change my heart and help me look at this rightly. Yeah, Um, I don't know. Is that a practical way to go about it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's what you
0: see in the Psalms. You're seeing them wrestling with the truth of God and recognizing their faultiness, and then they Mm -hmm. pray towards God's character and towards God's goodness, and then they like confess. (laughs) Uh, The psalmist confesses, confesses his uh, his faultiness, and then it, it it. I think looking back at it and in our eyes, it sounds like it's this up and down wave of emotion, but that's actually the point. Like the psalmist is going back to um, denying yourself and and vulnerability. That's what the psalmist is doing. The psalmist is, is dumping his heart out yeah, and then turning to the character of God and then dumping mm-hmm. his heart out again. And then turning to the character of God, he's not dumping his heart out and then saying, God fix this, or man, look at what you've done. He dumps his heart out in light of hard situations or just emotions that he uh, is, is working through. And then his, his own response to that is to turn to the character of God. Okay. Yeah,
1: that's good. That's a good point.
0: Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't void him of of confession. Um, It doesn't, it doesn't take him away from honesty. But even in those, in the the context of many Psalms, even in those hard moments, even in those dark seasons, he's turning to the character of God and he's turning to the character of God, whether God responds or not. Ooh, you know, that's Psalm 88. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, man. Um, What is it? Psalm 88. uh, So for instance, Psalm 88, verse 18 says, you have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness and Psalm 88. God doesn't respond. We don't, we don't see God respond to the psalmist, but that doesn't annul the psalmist from confessing his heart, putting everything on the table and turning to the character of God.
1: That mm-hmm. doesn't
0: keep him from doing that. Right. So he, he opens up Psalm 88 by saying, Oh Lord, God of my salvation. I cry out day and night before you let my prayer come before you incline your ear to my cry. So he's crying out, God, this is who you are and what you have done. Please hear me out. And he begins to expand on his season or situation. He even invites the reader to reflect on their own uh, heart and their own season. Um, And yeah, at the end, he says, my companion has become darkness.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so I think that is a really good definition or that's a very good biblical practical view of. That's what yeah. it looks like to deny yourself mm. in spite of whether or not God responds right now. And I'm going to yeah. place my trust in him uh, because I know that he is good. All right. He's, he's turned to his character. Um, right. I know that he is good. And, and, and even in this dark season, um, in spite of how I'm feeling, God is good.
1: Mm. That's good. All right, man. Yeah, yeah dude. Well, I think that, time. uh, yeah, you, that you, wraps you, up our time. Yeah. You get the last word today. Cause you always,
0: I don't, I, I don't know, man. I think, uh, I'd love to hear from our listeners on, on, on their possible views of, of self-love and then denying ourselves. So, yeah. um, but man, this was a really good conversation. Again, this is episode, uh, one on this new series of culture wars as we tackled self-love. Hope you guys enjoyed it and we will see you next week. Deuces. Thank you for listening to the Reforming Lounge podcast. Follow us on social media at the Reforming Lounge on Instagram. If you have questions, we want to hear from you. Visit thereforminglounge.com.